BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, busting the echo chambers of culture, politics, and business. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week on TDR, TikTok, Chappelle, plus courage or cringe. In our deep dive today, we touch on a number of related subjects from TikTok's first ever congressional hearing, to Dave Chappelle's latest announcement, to new consumer markets fueled by cancel culture. And in our courage or cringe segment, Trump's new social platform, Nike gets called out, and Coke makes noise in gaming. Is a new social platform a beacon for freedom from censorship, or is it a partisan project that gives our former president his megaphone back? Is a global footwear company being fairly called out for hypocrisy over labor practices in China, or is an athlete entangling a major company into his pet cause for additional attention? And finally, did the world's most iconic beverage launch an aspirational effort to address a global problem? Or have they increased their irrelevance among a Gen Z audience they can ill afford to lose? This and more this week on TDR. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. 
Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. I watched uh, a little bit of the TikTok uh, grilling on oh, Capitol okay. Hill. How, how was that? I, I, saw, I, I read an article, but I didn't watch it. Well, apparently this was the first time that anyone from TikTok had been um, questioned by Congress. They also had the person from Snap as well and YouTube, right? Those are three that I were didn't. I, I only watched a little bit yeah, of it. Yeah, but I believe so. those are the three companies that were have they been on the hot seat. Have they been on the hot seat before, though? Snap and uh, YouTube has. YouTube definitely has. Yeah. I don't know about Snap. I, I, I don't remember. They don't were – it was Ted Cruz that was talking to the guy. I'm going to forget his name. Steven something Patterson or something. Mm-hmm. And they were going through the privacy policy that even though TikTok has said repeatedly that they don't share any of the right. biometric or data information with the... And that, that is controlled in the U.S. side, I think. Correct. That is, that is, the, is their response, right? That it's controlled in the U.S. side and that it's not shared. Nevertheless, their privacy policy, mm-hmm. which is what he was getting questioned on the video that I saw, stipulates that they do and can share their information with any parent, affiliate, or subsidiary of ByteDance, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, of TikTok. Yeah. And so uh, Cruz was asking them, okay, is ByteDance a parent, subsidiary, or uh, affiliate of TikTok? And the guy was like, well, I want to re- restate that we don't share. I was like, okay, I got you. That, that makes sense. <laughs> can you, di- can you ask, answer the question, is ByteDance, right. the, the company based in Beijing, a parent subsidiary or affiliate of TikTok. Mm-hmm. And the guy, they, he asked him three times. On the third time, he finally said yes. And then he asked another question about another one, which um, I don't know enough about it, but there's another ByteDance, like basically TikTok China, whatever the version is. Yeah, yeah, we there. talked about it. Yeah, I forget the name of it right now, but yes. And and apparently that one on their board has uh, one of the uh, Chinese government officials is on their board, who's somebody who's been, um, you know, widely regarded as someone who's a propagandist and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so they asked, what about that company? And in that case, he asked five times and that dude would not answer the question. And then finally, he was just like... He was asking him, what, what part? The, 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 is this company... The company that is the TikTok in China. I think it's called Douyin. That one. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Is it an affiliate, right? Parent or subsidiary of right. TikTok? Uh, I got it. His argument being that if it's a, if it's an affiliate, then you can share the data with them, and then they could potentially share the data back with a parent. If yeah. for whatever reason you're not going directly with the parent. Company. Yeah, and 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 I think um, you know, and you forget about Ted Cruz for for what everybody might say or think about it pro pro or con, but. Uh-huh. The guy was a Supreme Court like uh, adjudicator, not adjudicator, uh, whatever a, a lawyer. He, no? Lawyer. He argued mm-hmm. like you know cases in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. But like here, he's just basically saying your privacy policy that you just updated says that you can share and will sure. biometric info with these different entities. So I'm just asking, are right. these considered those entities? <laughs> Explain to me again. <laughs> It's got to be, I mean, for those guys that get up on that chair, though, I mean, it's, can you imagine, yeah. like, the emails you get after your appearance? Like, it, it has to be rough. I also think that 
to Congress's credit, they're getting better. Mm. They're getting more informed. They've, you know... I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, they just are, right? And there's still plenty of moments where you can sit there and kind of laugh it off, right? But, right? but they are getting better. And I think they're starting to hone in on the issues that more people can agree with that they see as a problem, right? The part that I always struggle with that is that when you then start looking at what the solutions are, that's where I think that the people that are all in agreement on the problem are not going to agree on the solution. Yeah. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting sort of the next phase of this. But to be honest, I'm actually kind of excited that there's agreement on the problem. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah you're right. In that position. You're, you're right. You're right. That, that's, a, that's a fair point because there's so much that we don't agree with that it just feels that any agreement on any issue is bad. <laughs> it's like a win yeah. <laughs> at this point. It, it is, I think, really interesting yeah, the quote that I read to you that I was reading a piece of this, and I forgot who was who told them, you know, so basically all three were like, listen, your argument that we're not Facebook is not a good argument. Oh, that was right? what Snapchat was saying or TikTok was saying? I think they were all saying a version of that. Right. That, yeah, like, yeah, but but we're not Facebook, right? Like, that's we're not, not that bad. That's not a good argument. Like, the, yeah, the threshold has been set so low now, that bar set so low now that you can't you can't use that no, no longer as a, as a good defense. I was talking uh, on this show two weeks ago, I think, or maybe three weeks ago, that one of the arguments that I had for the kind of utility-like nature of Facebook is there had been no impact to their... Right, to Facebook. Yeah, yeah. To Facebook's valuation, monetization, et cetera. Or but usage, they actually, which is the... Or usage. Yeah, there there still hasn't been an impact to the usage, but they have taken a whack in terms of market cap um, this week, I think, or last week. Because um, of the, the new Facebook mm-hmm. keepers that just came out? Yeah, but that's, I mean... The, the, it fluctuates. That fluctuates, and a lot of it is speculative, right? Because people think of what the impact may be because of that. But if you still look at usage, I think that's like the big indicator. Because you could even say advertising, even if there is a short-term drop in advertising support, which there hasn't been. If usage doesn't drop, advertising will eventually be like, eh, you know, it's going to be long enough. We're going to get back back at it. And that's the part that is really difficult to change. And, and when increasingly your, your monetization, um, uh, you know, composition is made up increasingly as an international thing. Yeah. Even if you take a big hit in the U.S., I mean, obviously, U.S. is their it's, biggest market. It's the biggest market. But like you know, we you know we we see this all the time because we also deal with international companies. Is that relative to audience size, the monetization that happens in the U.S. like way over indexes that you will see in many parts of the world with more and, people. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, especially when you make that comparison between you know U.S. versus Latin America as an example. Mm-hmm. It may be different when you go to the U.K. or any other places, but. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. It's um, that's the part that is that is interesting. I, I think you're hearing a lot of um, also a lot more internal criticism that is coming out. The the part that I that I find interesting that I that I what I actually think could make an actual change at the end of the day would be is if there is so much heat around this that ultimately Facebook starts having a hard time recruiting talent. I think that actually could undo undo them. You mean internal talent? Internal talent, yeah. Because yeah. the one thing that I started hear now. And I was reading, it may have been a headline, so this could be one of those headlines, right? But they were saying that that some of these nominations for like advisory boards, et cetera, for people that are like in high-ranking positions, for some of these social platforms, people are, st- are starting to turn those down. Like they just not really want to be like, they don't really want it in my resume. They don't want to step into the spotlight. They want to step into that spotlight. And, and you're seeing that, if you're seeing that in some of these advisory boards where they tend to sort of bring in people that are pretty, you know, senior but if you start then that, that starts to then translate to engineers to product people. I think that could have a pretty significant. Difference. I think they can offset some of that for a time being, just because of their 
cash hoard that they have. I mean, they could just buy people, right? I mean, and I, I know that that's not a good thing culturally. You can, but you're also talking about an industry that that still, you know, like at least sees themselves as, I think a lot of times is wanting to do the right thing, even if bad outcomes come from it. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I think about a lot is like, um, when I think about Facebook, and maybe I don't know how you feel about Mark Zuckerberg, but even with all of them, I don't think the, these are evil people. No, I really no, don't. No, no, either. I, I don't think at all no, that they're no. evil people. I think there's actually a lot of good intent. Maybe a lot of good. <laughs> maybe it's giving them too much credit, but there, I think there's, there is definitely good intent in a lot of things that they do. But still, bad outcomes come because when you're talking about the level of scale that you're talking about, it's like you get to a point where there are no good solutions, you know, especially in the issue that you're well, trying to monitor um, for false information. You're trying to protect people, but you're also trying to allow public discourse. And those are all competing thoughts. It's like you almost can't do young. one or, or the, it's hard to do one or the other. Or if you do one, you're almost doing against the other. And that's see what I'm saying. I mean, like that's making, the part that is like but you're really, making, really difficult. You're making precisely the argument that that would net you out in a position where you need a new classification for this kind of company, or you alter it, break it up to the point where it's similar to other use right, cases. Right, right, right. But you can't have this. It's public square. Well, it's a magazine. We're, and we're going to get into this. Actually, one of the topics, right? So yeah, I, know, I just started to remember. <laughs> I know we probably want to uh, want to talk about this more. To your to your question though, on whether or not these people are are evil or have have bad intent, I don't believe they do. Semicolon. The driver of um, power and money is mm-hmm. a is an intoxicant, right? One of the recommendations that I heard recently, which um, somebody was bringing up as an example of what could be done mm-hmm. that would instantly impact at least Instagram and some of this like, you know, uh, teenager well-being issues that they're coming across was a very elegant, simple solution, but one that I know inside the halls of Facebook would mm-hmm. not be done because there's enough of a desire to, to monetize and growth that it would keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. And that was simply to eliminate the, um, uh, the metrics around, you know, views and shares and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, engagement, yeah, yeah. I was like, just, you know, when you watch a show on, on sure. Hulu, it's not telling you, oh, you're the 750,000th streamer, right? And, and so this idea lends itself if i know that my engagement increases dramatically with right. x kind of content well you, you kill the loop is what it is right you kill the incentive you kill the loop so to your point then if they're yeah. if these people are not evil that's a different, gr- granted that's a but why would kind of, but why yeah. won't they do that you're right because that's a fundamental part of how their business has gone to the size to begin with bingo right that is right but it's funny when you think about uh evil corporations um, I was listening to uh, an episode this morning. I was I was on a run, and I was listening to an episode of, of Joe Rogan, and they were talking about they had he had his environmental professor right, and he's talking about um, what he really describes as, as an evil corporation, which is the the company that manufactured Agent Orange, which was used during Vietnam. They also do all of these pesticides, uh, like weed killers. Killers. Um, it's a company called Monsanto. Oh yeah, Monsanto. Yeah. And they're, they're going to like massive lawsuits. Food engineering now. too now. Yeah, right? they're doing. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of hear the stuff. These guys are like, yeah, that's that's pretty evil. Like, yeah. They they knew even with that Agent Orange, their own the people that were actually producing it were like getting like super sick, and they're like, sorry, we're gonna sell it out, roll it out anyway. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. When you look at a company like that, like I'm glad they were not running a social network. <laughs> I'm glad those guys didn't invent Facebook because if we have problems with Facebook now, I already thought about it in that perspective. If we have problems with Facebook now, 
Because right. the, the, the argument that I would always make about at least if you, there's any defense of um, of Zuckerberg is like, at least you have a guy who actually publicly says that he wants more regulation. Like, at least maybe he doesn't mean it. Maybe he's No, like, I think he means it, but I think he saying, means like, it like, on his own terms. He, sure, needs it on, of course he wants he to design the regulation. They, that he they all mean it in their, in their own terms. But like, once again, when you think about the level of evil, <laughs> yeah. well, well, it's like, what, I'm just glad that these guys who were designing Agent Orange were not the ones that were responsible to design a platform like Facebook. I think what you're saying is at the end of the day, the evil that's perpetrated by, to the extent it's evil, by companies like Google and Facebook, et cetera, is a secondary agent to the evil. Right. In other words, it may influence you to do something, whereas the Agent Orange, like, that actually kills you. Like, like right. just interact with it and you're dead. Well, yeah, and, that, and how irresponsible these guys were of still rolling it out, still selling it. Yeah. And then taking away like any responsibility, basically, right? Of um, of actually any of the any of the, the the decades of effect that happened after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really, it was actually a really interesting episode for that reason. But I just I just it was kind of interesting. The other thing that I saw uh, was uh, did you see Chappelle's uh, video? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. new one uh, with yes, the, about his yes, documentary. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. His response. I want to see it. It was a little. Um, I haven't seen the documentary, but I saw no, no, the, no, I the haven't video seen it response. Well, it's not that he available. Had. He's doing a ten city tour to make it. Yeah, available. I guess so, right? Uh, that's what he said in the in the. It looks to be like the last, you know, whatever five minutes of a stand up show that he's doing somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it was recorded, and basically it's him responding to it. But I guess before I, I respond, to, what were you, you watched the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. What did you think of it? It was a five. I watched the whole of a five minute video. I don't know. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. A, yeah. That, that's the same version I saw because by the time you sent it to me, mm-hmm. I had kind of sent it to me like. A couple of times already, and yeah. I already seen it myself. Um, but yeah, I think you know what's what interesting is I actually think that Chappelle, like Rogan, is one of these voices that is like really critical right now. Um, the 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 sense of um, kind of defiance to the idea of cancellation, and he's heading right into it. He's he reminds me a little bit of like that old movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was a Western back in the day. You heard the Very, you've, you've yeah, heard I know it. it. I've I, I know I've watched it. I remember nothing of it. The final scene is these guys are like basically holed up. They're they're in an ambush, they're in a mm-hmm. gunfight, and they're like they're wounded, they're exhausted, uh-huh. and they kind of look at each other and they're like, if we're gonna go out, we're gonna go out in a hail of of, of, of glory. Right, right. And so they run out into the people firing at them, right? And I think that that there's a little bit of that in him where he's just like I'm throwing down. Where before oh, yeah, he's yeah. gotten himself in trouble and kind of said, well, that's just comedy and it's what I am. It seems like he's more engaging in the battle now, a little bit to me. Yeah, I, I think whatever that chip on his shoulder was that basically got, I think to some extent got started with the Chappelle show has grown significantly. Um, before I respond, is there any thoughts, any other thoughts that you had on it? Well, I, I'm, I mean, yeah, I was curious. I, the, the only other thought that I had was. Uh-huh. Um, the the importance of Netflix uh, kind of lifeline to him right now. If it is true that his documentary is kind of being, is untouchable or nuclear or whatever, if that's true, that the, nobody yeah. wants to touch it, where let's let's back up five years, two years, and who would not want to touch the Dave Chappelle? Like, it, everyone would want that, right? Right, right, right. And so if it's true, then um, the, the other part that came clear was... Um, Ted Sarandos's very specific contribution to this in terms of keeping him quote unquote uncanceled, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, another thought that I yeah. have. My, my my reaction to it is that um and this has come once again from from someone that I could 
you know, I know a lot of people say this, but I could definitely consider myself a big, big Chappelle fan. Mm-hmm. And and one that I would say, when he did that first video, the first response that he did to the George Floyd murder, um, Eight, it was eight forty seven. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't comedy. It was social commentary. It was right. Like it, it wasn't even. He wasn't even making a joke. It was like he was just speaking to it. I thought it was such an important moment. And when it happened, I did. I did think about. When is Chappelle going to speak to this? He needs to say something. Because I hold him in very high regard in terms of being someone that is a thought leader, someone that can speak for the people in a manner that is that is understandable for, for all, right? Like he can kind of cut across social class, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a really important moment. When I saw this video response that he did, um, I thought it was extremely arrogant. Hmm. It, it was... To me, a huge disappointment seeing him speak to it this way. For and there was a number of things that he said that I was like, I think was extremely arrogant. I think, first of all, Chappelle. If you ask most comedians, he will be considered by most to be the goat right now, the current goat, right? Um, or maybe all time for for a lot of people, right? And I think Chappelle is farty is finally acting like that is what I am. Recognize me that way, so therefore I can't be questioned. That that's what I get from his his response, right? Mm. And that's the biggest point because that's never been Chappelle. Like, he has been an, always a really humble dude all the time. And that's what I loved about him. I always loved how humble he was, how of the people he was. And at some point, I think he stopped being that. Or maybe with this issue, he's not that. And there was things that he said that I thought were extremely arrogant. First was the fact that he said, you know, so they said that they invited me to think was wasn't true. Which maybe wasn't true, right? He's like, but I don't know what they, what they want to talk to me about. Like, Really, Chappelle? You don't know what they want to talk to you about? You may disagree why they want to talk to you, but you have no idea what they're talking about. No idea. So you're taking no responsibility at all. If you want to take like a, like a slight second to look at yourself, hmm, did I actually, in this now additional special, maybe did I go through something a little hard? You always talk about going hard at the paint. Did I go too hard at the People get thrown out of basketball games all the time for going too hard at the paint. See mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, Could it be maybe a possibility of that? There is no self-reflection at all in that statement. The other thing is, like, if I meet with them, it's going to be in my terms where I choose to be. Well, he said he's not going to be summoned. But you're saying the same thing where you're saying, yeah, he, right. He's like, I'm not going to be summoned. And and if I meet with you, it's going to be my terms and my place. And then you have to agree that uh, that an LGBTQ uh, comedian is not funny. But and that was a joke. That though. was a joke, of yeah. course. But but you're you're still digging in and sure. still throwing, throwing but, jabs. But and you... I think there is, a, mm-hmm. once again, a level of... I do think there is such a level of arrogance at this point that he is coming off as. Also, the whole thing about him being canceled, I guess. I mean, I've heard other comedians literally talk about it. Like, if that's what it means to be canceled, like, cancel me. Like, you're getting paid $20 million a bucks a, a special. You're getting tons of publicity. Like, cancel me that way. Like, I'm all, I'm all yeah, in. Yeah, but, that's, but like, that's, that's great. But that's a little bit of revisionist history because it's the $20 million special that is threatening to cancel him. So there's like if he's got signed up for three more, then I could see the point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. Um, I think the broader context I, yeah. for me is that everything you said makes sense, but I think the broader context is that it's precisely because he views this as a force that needs to be counteracted. This idea of I disagree with somebody, therefore I'm going to take away their livelihood. That makes him want to say, "I'm not going to be summoned. I'll but, talk to you, but, but I'm, not gonna bend, the, I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to take yeah. a knee." I, I, right? I, I get that, but I think that's the problem with this whole issue is that it's painted in such Stark. extremes. It is like one, 
any criticism about any of my art is I can't even consider it because it's immediately cancel culture. So what you're telling me that there is no wrong that any any comedian could ever make about anything that they said ever in a special because if I at all have an issue with it, then that's immediately cancel culture. Therefore, ignore you, stay on the side. You're not going to cancel me, right? But do you think that's what he's saying, that if there's any issue? I think I, I, I what think, he's saying I think is that's that res- nobody wants to touch my content now. No, but that is what he's saying, Charlie. When he says he has no idea what people want to talk to him from this community. No okay, idea. that I can see. It's like... He should have an idea. What, what are you is. talking about? I, like, I can see, I can tell, I don't agree with it. I think how you are portraying, how you're... That's fair. Whatever, you know, the intent of what I'm saying, like, I disagree with you. But I think that's the part where it's so in the anti-cancel culture movement that he's standing for that I really struggle with any kind of self-reflection, any kind of empathy, any kind of just uh, humility in the approach. And I think that's what, and frankly, I think what got him there, I think the probably one of the worst things that happened to Chappelle is him getting his, his deal renegotiated with Viacom. Because it shows like now I am at a whole other status, at a stratosphere than anyone else. And he, now and I'm untouchable. Arguably, he is. Now the people are with me that I'm going to go back and revise history to your point. Talk about revisionist history. That's revisionist history, right? And then force this massive company to just change this agreement that I know I got into with eyes wide open, but it doesn't matter. I'm famous enough now that I could change that. Yeah. And I think he's at the point. Now, and that's why it's disappointing. Like yeah. To me, it's, when I see that, it's disappointing. So it sounds like the net is that his stock dropped for you based on the video. Significantly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. His, yeah. Stock, his stock went up for me. Yeah. I, and I think for anyone that is that is anti-cancel culture, I could totally see like this is the the new face of anti-cancel culture that can actually cut across both, both parties, that can cut across... People that may not see themselves in the same camp or a lot of different issues. I agree with that. And I think that is true. Um, And maybe I'm in the minority. I have no idea. All I'm saying is of someone that is a really big fan of him who appreciated his style and his art that he's always had, which I don't think that he should get canceled because of the special. We talked about it. Like, I actually, I mean, I don't think it's the funniest one that he's had, but I was more questioning, like, one second, what good to me looks like as someone that he respects, being to have that conversation with him to say, is there something here? Like, is there something that really is bothering you about this? That yeah. is, that is causing this because it, it actually does feel that way. Yeah, you. I'm, and that's what I'm not saying you should be canceled. I'm not even saying like it shouldn't like stay stay alive. Sure, stay alive. But there's something there that that chip of shoulder is not as a boulder in your shoulder it, it's for a, whatever reason yeah. that is like really eating at you. And why is that? I just think the context here is really important. And I think if this was happening ten years ago, five years ago, even I think I'd be more in your camp. I'm a big I'm a big believer of humility. Um, it's a virtue I try to cultivate, and I fail at it miserably often. But I think that you're right, and we shouldn't applaud anybody for losing humility. However, um, I I do think that the context we're in now mm-hmm. is where a lot of this stuff feels very different. It feels you know with so few people having so much power over what gets seen, heard, talked about, discussed. Right. I just feel that those dissenting voices are more important now than they were five years ago. And so yeah. it's it's like a broader principle for me. I think it's the case of this movement and counter-movement. Like, I'm not for cancel culture. I'm also not for anti-cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what we're talking about right now, right? He is, I think, now becoming the new face of anti-cancel culture. I think what you lose in both of those is any nuance of actually having a conversation when there is actually some friction that should get resolved. Yeah. And I think it's right for him to be self-reflective. And it, I, I, that's what I—that's what I wish I'd seen a, just a little bit of. That. of. Uh, just some, um, not even more of. There was none. There, there is no. And that's that's why I have a hard time with him. Like, man, like you really are. What do you make of his argument? And this is a similar one 
uh, to Rogan's argument about the fact that it is a corporate kind of media um, that has the beef and not the actual subject matter. Like in that five minute clip, yeah, yeah, he, he says sa- he says that. I don't that understand that his comment. Uh, that's well, let me let me put it in the Rogan perspective. Rogan had um, uh, Mike Savage on his show recently. I, I I don't listen to the show anymore, but I catch the clips uh-huh. and. He um, he was talking about the whole Don Lemon, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. And yeah, then yeah, yeah, He went back on the air and then he doubled down on it and whatever. And at one point, Rogan says, this is what's wrong with the mainstream, mainstream media. Mainstream media. Uh-huh. And uh, Savage corrects him. He's like, this isn't the mainstream media. It's like, you're the mainstream media. This is the right. corporate kind of media. And so Chappelle seems to make a similar case that it's like, there's a difference between things that are widely available and consumed, which used to be called mainstream media, right, 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 and a few players who are more corporate side who have smaller audiences, yeah, but nevertheless hold a lot of sway in this. Do, do you see any validity in that? Or I don't. In the case that it is the corporate media that is backing him, Netflix is the one that has completely backed them. They are mainstream. They're they're the biggest player. So if and it's a they're different the argument ones... for Chappelle than it is for Rogan is what you're saying. Actually, yeah, 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 Rogan yeah. is on Netflix too, though. I mean, quite a bit. No, no, I'm saying in this specific, because the argument that Chappelle is making that is corporate, that is basically... The the, the real issue. The real issue here. Well, in, in your case, it isn't. Corporate is what's actually backed you. Corporate backed you in your Viacom deal. Corporate has backed you in this for sure, right? Against their own employees, frankly, and they're against their own corporate company. Like, who knows how much damage that that CEO has not made with their own with his own workforce at this point because of that? But they are backing you. Do you think that this? Stuff, so, like, of course, so I, yeah. I don't, I don't. I, that's why when I hear that argument, like, I, I could see that in the case of other people, is not the case of you. And by the way, just to talk about Joe, Joe Rogan, like Don Lemon, in my in my mind, I put him in a category of people that I could care. I could not care less for. Mm-hmm. And I put him, I put Tucker Carlson, I put I put all these people that are talking heads that do not care about actually giving you information. They care about giving you their opinion. And it's already determined what their opinion is before they even set the news. And I put them in that category. So I don't care for you Don dis- You discount I dis- it. I dismiss it entirely, like a guy like that. Just like I wouldn't, I never watch, yeah, some of those talking heads on Fox News for the same reason. Like I have no interest. Because I already know what you're going to say before you said it. It's like the kind of thing, like, I don't need to watch the segment. I already know what your position is, what the talking points, and I put Don Lemon next. Actually, I think that that's been an evolution for Don, for Lemon, though, because there was a point where he was regarded, I think, as a more I news. think so, too. Yeah. yeah. He, he's gone way worse. Yeah. Way worse. And I think it's like these self-righteous talks that he gives all the Like, dude. It, Just, and, and I think it's too bad because when I think about individuals that have the kind of platform that he has, and him being black and gay, and then being able to give up... Like, it's sad to me that now I personally dismiss him entirely because of how one-sided his comments, his comments are. Mm. Like, Rachel Maddow is another one in my mind, right? And right now I'm kind of picking on the left, but it's because I put them all in the same category. Yeah. It's like, these are people that you know exactly what they're going to say. I told you this before. Before I, they yeah. even open their mouth. Like, I like Rachel Maddow a lot. I agree with nothing she says, but I like her a lot. I think she's very, very talented. But I think that a lot of these guys have, have really slid yeah. into that into that pocket to me sean hannity took a call they're the, they're the exact same they're the same person just on the opposite side of the issue mm-hmm. where they're you already know what they're going to say before they even start talking well tucker is about 10 times as articulate as sean hannity so i'd, I'd at least give him that um <laughs> i guess the i don't watch it enough to know the difference <laughs> yeah no again like same thing with rachel maddow super yeah, yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't put her in the same oh, interesting. in the same category as don lemon not even close she's mm. she's 10 times him mm. in terms of uh, of talent um Last question on this. Yeah. 
the the idea of Chappelle going direct to consumer with his Ten City tour and the documentary and I all that. Should, I think it's great, but I'm not sure because we're going to touch on it with the Trump story. Yeah. Do you think though that this the DTC stuff has already been happening? But does this kind of super boost that idea of DTC as a as a kind of uh, circumvention of this kind of whatever what corporate media, whatever you want to call it, it, it. continues to be a, a yeah. It's actually good. It's a good. It's a good question. It's, it's a continuum that is happening, and I do think that comedians specifically have been big innovators in this area, and frankly, out of just pure necessity, right? Because, and I think a lot of that, you know, we go back to what did twenty twenty change? Twenty twenty changed some things, but it also just accelerated some things that already were happening, right? This whole idea that it, as if you're a comedian, that you have to wait for someone to give you a shot to get on stage for 15 minutes and, you know, work your way from being the bouncer to serving drinks to whatever you need to do in order to get that. I think many people, including Joe Rogan, because he talks about his experience kind of going up, right, doing like the open mics, et cetera. People had to do that. I think now you're in an era where you can cut right across, you know, through that through that process and go directly to consumers. I think the biggest benefit to that has been podcasts. That's why you see many of these comedians that said, like, well, I can start building a relationship with this audience directly directly through a podcast that now allows me when I want to put out my special that I don't have to count on Comedy Central to, to get us a, a special or Netflix for that matter. I could put it directly on YouTube if I want to or even more my own private thing. Like, do you, are you familiar with the, with the comment, uh, comedian Tom Segura? Yeah, of course. So him and his wife, Christina something, they're hilarious, both of them, right? Yeah, they did a thing at, uh, at near UCLA at uh, 1986 Taco or whatever it was. That I yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. Video. yeah. Yeah, I sent it recently. to you. I sent yeah, it to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I sent it to you. Um, so they, one of the things that they did, they, of course, have a podcast called Your, Your Mama's House, I think is what it's called. But they do these events that happen once a month. Mm. And it's complete debauchery. I mean, I've never seen one, but when they describe the things that they that they put video content, it's things that it will get taken down in any platform. Things that you, you know, they're, they entirely cross the lines. But what they've done is like, we're not going to put it on YouTube. We're going to host this video privately. You're going to be, you're going to have to pay for it to, to access it. But now we have no rules. We can do whatever we want. I mean, as long as you're not like hurting someone. But they've taken that to an extreme to say, we're going to control our relationship with our, with our audience directly. It's also going to inform the kind of, it's going to open up our, you know, are like the the options in terms of the kind of content you create, and they've done that. So I think that that trend is only going to continue. I, I, so I I, I, I I don't know if I see this mm. thing from Chappelle as being a like a trigger or a change. I actually don't. I think he's late in that game. If anything, compared to some of his other yeah. uh, communities that already been doing this, I'm rem- he's just I'm, the biggest one. I'm remarking specifically about the idea of an an individual like Chappelle being able to, from one moment to the next, outdraw outreach the other people as well. In other words, yeah. like, hey, I'm not going to have Netflix or any studio touch this. I'm going to do it myself and have that be maybe bigger than it oh, would have sure. been. He's big enough that he can definitely do that. Right. I think he's already at that point. The other thing is that I wonder how long the podcast honeymoon lasts because if you think about, you know, Megaphone or Anchor or any of these platforms that actually host and distribute, they're now being bought by the kind of bigger players, right? So... Yeah, you have the freedom to distribute your raunchy thing across these platforms, but like, what happens when somebody buys, you know, Captivate or what? Any of these different things, and they're like, no, oh, now you, now you got to live with by my rules. Yeah, I think the the well, there's two different things. One is the type of technology that we're talking about, our infrastructure, right, that allows for content to go to get distributed. They're not themselves content players. Right, so which, so that's a very different dynamic than being a YouTuber, being a Facebook sure, it's or a anyone. Utility. That, 
Right. So this actually is to your point about the, you know where we talk about utilities. Those are actually utilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, in most cases, they tend to be fairly neutral. Now, what we have seen to your point is that some of these platforms I've said, even when they are platforms that they refuse to work with certain players. And I forgot, was it was it with Mike Lindell's thing or I forgot who who was it? Who was it with? No, it was out uh, for Parlor. For Parlor. For Parlor, that's what it was, right? Where uh, I don't know, I forget now who the company was. It may have been Amazon Web Services. So one of those said, "Hey, listen, we can't host your, you. Like you're doing some, you have no, uh, at least from what we can tell, any ability to control your moderate the content that is being placed on your platform. So we're not going to be. And involved we think you're being literally irresponsible. So we we can't get involved. The other ones that have. And gotten I think it, you can't. You could see some of that yeah. start to happen in some of these cases. It's also happening in the financial space too, where a lot of people are refusing to actually do transactions for. Yeah, yeah. So there there is that as well, right? So those are cases where now the the support mechanism says that you're being so irresponsible that. We feel that we can't get involved. I think in some of these some of these issues, especially around comedy, because I still I still think because it's comedy is seen in a different lens. Even when you're being offensive, mm-hmm. there's at least an orientation around intent that mm-hmm. you're trying to be funny. That maybe you just crossed the line, mm. as opposed to trying to re- like where your starting point is to create harm. You know, I, yeah. I think, but you know, we'll see. Mm. Interesting. Do you want to do you want to do our deep dive or do you want to go to courage or cringe? Because we, I think we go right straight to courage or cringe. Let's go, we, let's we, go uh, straight to courage. Or cringe. <laughs> different the, direction on this one. By the way, since we're gonna then punt on on huh? our on our originally thought of deep dive, but I think this has actually been really yeah, yeah. cool. Um, I did want to more properly, and I and I wanted to get your thoughts because I didn't on the show with Wally. Which, by the way, Wally, interesting character. I mean, I just I love Wally. Wally's love great. Love Wally. Um, but in the, it, I mentioned at the very end of huh? that show, um, our move to uh, Revolver. Yeah. But I, I didn't really like explain what the heck it is, and I didn't get your thoughts on it. So I just yeah. didn't want to properly tell the audience of um, of this move. This will be episode two on our new. Um, speaking of networks and platforms right. and distribution on our new home. Let's hope, let's hope we don't get the, pl- the platform. Right, exactly. We, we get that. <laughs> they, are, they did name themselves after a gun, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get shot at some point. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we've migrated the show to um, Revolver, a podcast network, um, which was launched a, a couple, two, three years ago. Um, longer than that now, I think. Has it been yeah, longer, I think than, longer that? than that? Maybe four years? Probably, yeah. yeah, at least, yeah. But it's a it's a new network that uh, was actually created by a friend of ours, mm-hmm. and whose intent is to really, uh, cr- you know, create and promote and source, uh, you know, different voices, specifically Latino ones, which of course mm-hmm. we are, and to kind of bring some of that content out to the world. There's a lot of content in in Spanish, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of content in English or across a, a wide variety of of different subjects uh, and, and genres, but. Um, but we're really excited about the move. We've already seen the the impact in terms of listenership, which has really been great. Um, you'll probably, if you're hearing this, you may have come across it um, as a result of a promotion or some other, you know, thing on 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 this network, or maybe listening to one of, another one of the shows on the network, which we hope to be uh, collaborating with more and all that. But I just wanted to kind of put a, a bit of a finer yeah. point and, and just you know let you weigh in on anything that you wanted to because we didn't get a chance to do that last time. Yeah, no, we're definitely excited about it. I think it uh, it's a lot of things. I think part of it, it sort of speaks to um, the importance that we're seeing as it relates to creating more content that is specifically geared uh, at activating diverse audiences uh, in the podcast world. And, you know, you and I talk about it from a business standpoint is that when you look at the actual growth of podcasting, the biggest driver, especially over the last couple of years, and especially this past year, 
are actually Latino audiences, you know, growing like up to 5x faster than the general market in terms of podcast listening. Um, and we definitely think there's still an opportunity, massive opportunity in terms of generating more content, more formats, more shows that can be built out. And for us, you know, this move is uh, hopefully a start of a bigger journey of actually bringing more stories to life, more formats, more shows to life. Um, but starting with being able to get this more broadly distributed and, and we're pretty hopeful about uh, the outcome. Already seeing some really um, you know, positive signs in terms of audience um, just with one week of switching over. So that's like, pretty exciting. So hopefully that trend continues. But yeah, I'm very excited about it and, and glad that we made the move. Cool. So shout out to uh, Revolver, our friend Jack Hobbs, who runs Revolver Podcasts. And we're looking forward to a, a long partnership with uh, with those guys. And if you're listening to the show for the first time, welcome to TDR. We're very happy to have you here. We got a, a nice batch of Courage or Cringe uh, subjects. Should we get after it? Yes. Hit the let's, button. Let's do it. There it is. What's first? <laughs> Speaking of social networks, courage or cringe, Trump's truth social to take on censorship of self-righteous scolds and the self-appointed arbiters. He's, um, I think I mentioned it to you yesterday, that there is a move by the this group, who is the media company behind it, mm-hmm. to um, a trademark truthing and uh, like kind of the Googling, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the yeah, brand yeah, yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. To get ahead of that and actually trademark some of the ver- the, the you know the truth as a verb, like you know as it relates to activity. I was just uh, I was just listening to an episode of Freakonomics and they were talking about that in our language, English language. I mean, there are much more words described negative things than positive things. Mm. One of them was like the act of lying. Lying is a word. There is no no word for truthing. Right. Telling it's, the truth. It, telling the, it's telling the truth, right? It's like the, you're, that's what it is. But there is no word for it. Interesting. And you see a lot more with negative things than positive ones. So well, he's getting – uh, So maybe now there's going to be one. We'll see what happens. So he's going to ruin the word truth is what I'm – that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> the other thing is that this is part of a bigger um, – the, the social platform that he's launching, or I guess it's in beta – um, yeah, it's is, part of a bigger play for them. Is yeah. a bigger play, yeah, right? Yeah, There's yeah, like yeah. a streaming piece. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so former President Trump announced, you know, as, as we're mentioning, that he is rolling out his social media platform called Truth Social, which according to him, you know, will combat censorship, combat censorship and the self-righteous, as we mentioned, and self-appointed arbiters, right? Uh, who basically Trump said that decide what everyone else is allowed to think, say, share, and do, Right. And part of what he said to this, like, the, the corruption of these platforms cannot be ignored. Uh, we have fallen far down the slippery slope of censorship in our country, and the topics that Americans are increasingly forbidden to debate are among the most important issues of our day. This wildly aggressive censorship and cancel culture is not only un-American, it has direct real-world consequences. Um, lastly, he added, as, as, as making this announcement, says, for me, this endeavor is, is about much more than politics. This is about saving our country. Now, as a reminder, part of this is that Trump was banned by most social platforms, right, for what they deemed to be his role in inciting the violence that occurred on the January 6th Capitol riots. Um, now, to your point, in addition to this, this social media project, Trump Media and Technology Group, which is the parent company of this, also announcing that it will be launching an on-demand video streaming service. And right? isn't there an SPAC that's involved as part of this? A SPAC? Uh, There's so many SPAC. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's That will probably make sense. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't read that part, but I'm sure that, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could is. totally see that. 
Uh, yeah, they will want to take this public. For, for, those of you, for those of you that are not familiar with an SPAC is what Charlie just mentioned, it, it's basically, um, I'm probably going to do some injustice to, to describing it, but think of it as a, as, a, as a company that gets created to acquire other companies for the sole purposes of going public. Yeah. Is that a good way to describe yep. it? Probably, right? Yep. Um, so many times people are able to generate quite a bit of capital through that initial offering and then use that to acquire a bunch of different pieces. And in a case like this, I'm sure it would be a combination of build and acquire. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see that, right? Now, going back to the infrastructure like players, right? Uh, according to the CEO of RightForge, which is going to be the platform that will be used to host President Trump's social network, right? So this is instead of something like Amazon Web Services and one of those, right? says that he expects for a true social to have more than 75 million users. So that's um, – I didn't see for, like how quickly he thinks, but that's at least his case. No, that's, that, that's an impressive number depending on how fast, right? Because Yeah, it depends on how fast. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. compared to you know, multi-billion right. uh, user platforms, Facebook, Google, et cetera, it's not that impressive. But if you think it's, about it – It's just it, a matter of how quickly that happens. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, in terms of timing of the launch, a beta launch for invited guests is expected in November. It's a right? clubhouse. Yeah, kind of exactly. And a full launch is scheduled for the first quarter of 2022. So, I mean, this is moving pretty quickly. I mean, this is like going to be live, right? Um, now, there is already some controversy about the platform. Surprise. Before even like, <laughs> like really? <laughs> Just literally on the announcement, right? So, according to the Software Freedom Conservancy, right, which is a nonprofit organization that promotes open source software and, and defense open source licenses, such as uh, one that is called the AGPL, uh, has accused the Trump Media and Technology Group, once again, the parent company, of violating the AGPL by illegally copying the Mastodon social network source code for its true social social for its truth social network beta. And I guess right? they can copy it, but then they have to also make it available to everyone, right? Ma- like, right. When you, you, have to when like, you use, basically, you can use it. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. You if have you to send down the it, elevator. You, you know have I mean? to then yeah. share that, that code with everybody Correct. else. Correct. And right? they're not right now. So basically, they're not. So in order so in order for them to comply, they have 30 days, right? So mm-hmm. they have 30 days to comply, basically making that source code available for everybody. For Mastodon. Right. Well, right. from the from the from the Truth Social platform now. Right. Right. They have to make all their source code available, being that they use this other uh, code. Um, and if not, their rights and permissions in the software automatically and permanently terminated. Hmm. Um, lots to unpack on this one. Courage yeah. or cringe? Uh, Trump's Truth Social, a beacon for freedom from censorship, or partisan platform with a clear agenda. Give Trump his megaphone back. Uh, there's no question. There's absolutely no question that this is to give Trump his megaphone back. No question. Yeah. Having said that, the one thing that really um, interested me about this, which mm-hmm. I know you haven't read, is the Seeking Alpha uh, article about this. Seeking Alpha, for those who may oh, not... Oh, that was the the one that you... Yeah, I couldn't access it. Yeah, what, what did See, they say well, about Well, Seeking it? Alpha, for those who don't know, is basically like it's on every venture capitalist's like daily morning read, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. basically VCs and private equity guys who are like looking out at the market and saying, here's what's hot and what's not and valuations and blah, blah, blah. These are not slouches. These are not partisan people. These are... This is a legit venture capital kind of trade, if you will. Yeah. And those guys actually looked at this as a trillion-dollar opportunity based on the fundamentals of Trump's previous social media following, which was, I think, collectively is like 150 million users or something like that across mm. different platforms. And the what they called was a kind of um, 
increasing kind of friction in the system about not enough moderation, not enough, uh, uh, you know, not enough moderation on one side, not enough uh, liberty on the other, right? Right. That those kind of market forces were creating a lot of demand by consumers away from some of these other platforms in the future. Now, of course, they said, listen, all of this is about execution, but on paper, and they did the whole summary. It was really an right. interesting read. You should read it. Yeah. They were like, this could be a trillion dollar business. And I was like, wow, that's like really interesting coming from those guys yeah. who were looking at the dollars, obviously. They're not maybe weighing in on some of the stuff we're talking about. But mm-hmm. I thought that that lent, to my mind, at least from a business standpoint, a tremendous amount of credibility to, to yeah, why to do the this. The part that is interesting is to the degree is like the the actual the actual demand to be in a platform that really is more of a free-for-all like or less censored, right? I think that is an interesting comment. Whether there is enough of demand there, if that's real, because the thing that I that I always think, right? Facebook. We we're just talking about Facebook earlier. Is that you have all of these people saying, hey, "Look how terrible Facebook is." They know that they're hurting kids and they're doing all these terrible, th- terrible things, and yet usage not a, not, not at all. Not a so dip. to so at some point you start questioning. Well, do you really actually does it really bother you that much, or are you actually okay with the fact that Facebook does give you an algorithm? with information, with content that is meant to incite emotion. Right. Right. That is, that is, that is like that, sure. is, that is actually really effective but, at that. See what I'm saying? Like, uh, of course, but let me, let me so push back a little I bit. I don't know. That. But, but here, here's what I would mm-hmm. say. And maybe taking the Seeking Alpha article yep. as a basis, they would say, you're right, but two things. One, what are the alternatives that are meaningful? Sure. And then if you look at, okay, well, no, we've got Parler and yeah, Wemo yeah, yeah. or whatever these other things are that nobody goes to. Then the issue becomes they don't have critical mass. So enter in a player who at least ostensibly yeah. could create an initial critical mass. Sure. So if your uncle or a couple of your cousins, not all of them, but a couple of them are on there already and you could start that snowball. You see what I'm saying? Like they could say, this is why. This By the way, could, one, yeah. one thing I just thought about, that 75 million number that this, that this guy said, do you think that's directly tied one-to-one to people that voted for Trump? I mean, I'm sure it's in it's it's, 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 in that, it's, a, it's right in that ballpark. I'm sure there's right? a triangulation behind it, and that's got to be part of it. But I'm that's got to be part the of it. The number of votes that he got was probably that's, around there, right? It was, yeah, it was. Well, it, it was in the seventies. It, it, it was, it was, it was. I think low seventies in I'm the saying, initial. It, it was in the seventy range, and he I'm got saying. like ten million more in the twenty twenty. So um, it was like somewhere between seventy and eighty. Right. Yeah. So is, isn't what I mean? Is, is, is maybe where that's coming. I'm from. sure that that was in the triangulation. There's no question yeah. about it. Um, Look, so, I do think is it is this going to make noise for sure? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that could get probably some decent adoption right away? Just because it is his name, his brand involved with it, absolutely. I think the the part that is tough for me to give this a lot of credit is that starting with the fact that you're trying to present this as being truth social, which is not. I mean, this is the part that just kills me. Like. If you want to say, hey, I want to have my own platform that is just more friendly to the things that I care for, that's fine. Like, I have no issue with that. Like, that doesn't bother me. But this this whole thing trying to position that this is about the truth is not about the truth. Do you Trump, think- you're not about the truth. Yeah. Do you think that then there there will be censorship of progressive? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, for sure, for sure. I think there's. I, I can okay. guarantee it. There's going to be censorship, and you know what's going to happen? I'm sure is people that are going to join it with an opposing point of view just to prove out. That there is censorship, and the moment they start getting censored, they'll start posting it. I think it's going to happen immediately, it, it, if, and you're going to start seeing that. I just wish that we're just a little bit more upfront about it, and stop saying this is what you're here to solve. So I think the issue that he claims to want to solve is not an issue that he really wants to solve, right? 
Take, because can, can uh-huh. you can you can you given that that hasn't happened, would that so are you a cringe preemptively just because you think that that will happen? I, I'm a cringe on the positioning of what Trump is saying that he's trying to build with this platform. I okay. think it's being extreme. I think it's talking about lack of truth. Right. I think it's a it's a, the starting value proposition of what this is is a lie. You, as a matter of fact, you, I think you and I actually agree with this. Like, because mm-hmm. it is about having his megaphone back, and that's to some extent like I'm okay with that. Like, right. if that's if that's what he wants to build, fine. Right. I I do I do believe though, because there's no question it's about his megaphone, mm-hmm. but I don't believe it's the only thing. Sure. That I, is I'm driving. just saying like yeah. what the orientation is. I think that the value proposition is specifically saying to try to do. I don't believe that that's accurate. That that's yeah. true. Um, I, because I think Mike Lindell was a very similar in his approach, and it was immediate for him that even how he, how he talked about it, that it was not going to be a platform that anyone could speak yes. with. Yes. And, and, and that's dis- what I'm saying. And I is disagreed like, with it when you brought that up yeah, then. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So but like, I also don't so think don't that Mike... call Lind- it that. Like, but I also don't, don't that. think that Lindell has anywhere near the critical mass oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of creating a platform like this, That's why I do think he could... I, I think he can be successful. I think he can launch it. I think it will get attention. So you think it'll just be basically right-wing Facebook is what it, you correct. think it'll be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think that's what it'll be. I think it'll be right-wing Facebook. And I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Because I think Facebook is very right wing. Yeah, that's the, I mean, you and I have talked about this, right? As much censorship we talk about, there's a bunch of very conspiracy theory kind of content that's already on there. As a matter of fact, one of the papers that just came out for Facebook mm-hmm. specifically calls out the fact that they did not do enough to stop the false information that was happening right before the capital, the the you know January sixth capital sure. riots. So I believe that. Yeah, I, I, I also, agree with that. I but I also completely agree with that, that as well, right? I also believe that they're throttling. And um, de deprioritization of other content is also ha- just because I've literally experienced right. it. Right. So the but the but the solve there would be to still if you're saying okay, let's take that problem. How are you to fix that? Well, you like take that content off, which is more censorship. Which, yeah. See what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. the tricky part about it. Yeah, I, I the, get the the, mm-hmm. the thing that gives me um, hope is the wrong thing because I'm not, I'm actually not even hoping for failure in this case. I just think that. His track record mm-hmm. of successful businesses is really poor. Yeah. And it, the the uh, Seeking Alpha addresses that too, which it's is really, really interesting. really, really poor. Because what they bring up is that there hasn't been the underlying drivers and the underlying pieces in the previous businesses that they put they put them basically in a different class. It's a really interesting read. You should you should read it. Yeah, they and I can see that because in almost all of his other prior businesses, it's been all about just his name. Correct, and that, there's been no market necessary demand for that. So you talk about the airline, you're talking the about steaks, the food, the, the university. University is all about just put my name on correct. it. Correct. It's there almost is, been like a licensing thing. That's why I, I agree with the fact that if you tell me that part of the premise here is that there is this counter movement of saying I don't want to be censored. I, I get that. Yeah. I, I could totally see. That's why yeah. I think there's actually, I think there is there is legs yeah. to this. I just don't yeah. believe that's actually what this is. Yeah. And that's ultimately, look, I think I'm a courage just simply on having another antagonist to the the kind of, sure. you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, tech, techno oligarchy that kind of exists right now. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the moment that I see any evidence of them censoring um, progressive ideas. The first question I have is: Are any progressives going to join that yeah, platform? I, I think for sure. Yeah, specifically with the, for the purpose of, of showing. Out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. so the, the 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 first moment that there's evidence of that, um, you know, I I would disagree with it in the same way that I disagreed yeah. with the Lindell one when you brought up what you brought up. Like uh, Twitter is a good example of this, mm-hmm. right? Um, when President Trump before he got deplatformed, literally, right? You know, he always complained about getting censored, and there was those Twitter accounts. I think we think we've talked about this that literally would copy and paste 
word for word the president was saying. And then see if it got throttled. And they were getting flagged constantly. And the president's, you know, you, but you can make the argument, oh, well, this is the president, therefore they should be giving that. But but right. their point was like, yeah, this is is not, you're not treating him the same way you would treat any other users for language that you find um, offensive offensive to your own content policy. Well, I guess we'll find out when Rachel yeah. Maddow sets up her profile. But uh, there you un- go. until then, um, we'll have to leave um, it where I'll it watch is. watch the, the Don Lemon segment on, <laughs> on Truth Social. Don Lemon, live to you on Truth uh, Social. Uh, terrible. Um, all right. So, okay. We sort of, we see, actually, I think we're kind of agreeing, but disagreeing. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, I'm Courage or Cringe, but we're somewhere in there. All right. Uh, now let's talk about sports. So Courage or Cringe, Ennis Cantor says Nike is scared to speak up against China and wears modern-day slavery shoes in protest of Uyghur treatment. By the way, he's Turkish. That, I, I figured, is that what he is? I, yeah, he's okay. Turkish. That's I was trying to figure out what his whole background was. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, he is- So mentioned- probably Muslim. And I'm not. I don't know for sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe right. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So Enos Kenter, he is uh, NBA star and center for the Boston Celtics. Right now, he's been making some international waves with uh, due to his recent criticism of China. Now, Kenter has been outspoken about the treatment of minorities in China and just wore, like, basically some custom shoes that he made for a game that had the words written on the side, "Modern Day Slavery," and in the other shoe it said, "No more excuses." You know, it was written on them. Now, first, he criticized, he criticized China for the treatment of Tibet, right, and the Tibet people, right? And now he's doubling down by calling out Nike for not doing more to fight against injustice in the country. Hmm. Now, what Cantor said on Twitter, he said, Nike remains vocal about injustices here in America, but when it comes to China, Nike remains silent. Hmm. Oof, that's, that's already kind of got me. That's a good starting point as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to read the next line. Yeah. <laughs> Say so you do not address police brutality in China. You do not speak about discrimination against the LGBTQ community. You do not say a word about the oppression of minorities in China. You are scared to speak up. By the way, that is, I mean, objectively true. They don't now whether or not there is right, police right. brutality. Yeah, yeah. you or, can make that argument, but but you're right. They don't speak to these issues, broader issues, and you know, outside of. The U.S. and specifically talking about China, which is his next point, is like, who makes your shoes in China? Do you even know? <laughs> this, is the, look, I'm loving all his statement. Like, they're all like really, really they're important. Good? He said there are so many forced labor factories in China. Mm. For instance, Uyghur forced labor. It is modern day slavery, and it's happening right now in China. Have you seen some of those videos of the Uyghurs? There, there, not, there's a no. lot of under, uh, whatever, not, maybe not un- undercover, but like kind of clandestine videos. Mm-hmm. Of the way that the Uyghurs are treated in certain parts of China, in terms of how their living conditions, the way yeah. that they're rounded up, um, and they are an ethnic minority, yes, but they're also a religious minority. In oh, other words, in other yeah. words, you know, China as a communist country, even though they're not in the old kind of style of communism necessarily, they're no friend of religion. So, just in general, they're being kind of, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. I don't know which is greater: their ethnic kind of background or the fact that they're religious, mm-hmm. but. But they're but some of the videos are pretty they're basically shocking. a minority on both sides. On both saying. sides, yeah, yeah. You know, and with Cantor, um, he ended that video um, by actually inviting Nike's co-founder Phil Knight and also some high-profile ambassadors like LeBron James. I thought that dude wasn't Michael involved Jordan. anymore, though. Phil Knight didn't he sell the whole thing or get yeah, out? Yeah, of it? yeah, yeah. A long time ago, but yeah. I, but I think he's basically Just like an someone that found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so LeBron James, Michael Jordan, to do a trip to China so they can see it with their own eyes. You know where the shoes are actually made. Mm. Now, according to the U.S. State Department, it estimates that up to 2 million Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities have been detained in internment camps in Xinjiang, I think I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. uh, since 2017. 
Now, as far as Nike, right, in terms of their response early this year, they released a statement saying that it did not source products from the Xinjiang uh, region. Um, and now as part of the statement, they said, Nike is committed to ethical and responsible manufacturing, and we uphold international labor standards. Nike, is, Nike does not source products from, it's like X-U-A-R. I'm not sure where the Uyghurs are. Basically, basically where the Uyghurs are. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we have confirmed that our contract supplier, we have confirmed with our contract supplier that they are not using textiles or spun yard from the region. Okay, can we just pause on that though? Mm-hmm. We've confirmed with our providers that they're not. I mean, okay. Right. So you get an email from somebody in, you know, Beaverton, Oregon, and you're in China and you're like, hey, where are you getting, you know, want to make sure you're not getting any of your stuff from any of these people. Right. How many of those, look, I'm not trying to, 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 to cast too broad of a whatever here, but. But I'm about to. But I'm, <laughs> well, in the sense of, think of the, the, yeah. the, the account. What, how big is that account? You know what I'm saying for you, and you're going like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I don't touch any of this. This is stuff. a lifeline for them. So they, I guess your point is they're not very incentivized to say the truth here. If there was ever an incentive to to potentially hide the fact that some may come from that region, is this is it? It also goes to the idea of confirmation. What is your version of confirmation? You sent an email and you got back, no, we're not, or you actually went there, got on a plane, well, said, where's this stuff yeah, coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's 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 in his you know point, which is go there. See what they're actually what they're made, right? So it gives you at least they're checking in on it, but it's not super. It just gives you tons of confidence that they're actually are like fully confirming that that is the case, mm. right? Now, as it relates to China, right? In response to the comments from Kenter, they basically immediately pulled the broadcast of the Celtics season opener. Um, Sounds like a measured response. <laughs> it is in their part, yeah. Because remember, like they're they are super aggressive, right? This happened. Because I, I didn't put that in here, but it was maybe the two Sacramento years ago. Kings or something, wasn't it? No, it was Houston. I want to say Houston. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was Houston Rockets. I, I think. Oh, the Rockets. No, you're right. You're I, right. It I is forgot the what comment he made, and it, it might have been the general manager. I forgot who it was, and they were they, like, they wanted blood. Like it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. It was. It was really bad. Their response, right? Um. So the foreign ministry, you know, spokesman basically dismissed the comment saying that this guy just wants attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so courage or cringe, Nike getting appropriately called off for their hypocrisy of ignoring at best crappy labor practices or at worst slave labor by suppliers or star athlete looking to make a point pulling in a major company to get additional attention. I got not, I got no problem with anything that he said at all. Um, so I, I'm a courage on this. Now, I don't know whether or not Nike is – participating in these things but i can tell you from some experience working with these monster you know u.s run kind of global powerhouses that you get to a point where there's so many people in that value chain that it's very easy to overlook things and i agree with the main criticism that look as vocal as you've been about social issues that affect the U.S., you really haven't been in these international subjects yeah. where, frankly, arguably, you might even say that they're, I don't know what their revenue breakup is, but it's not, it's not like Nike's a U.S. brand, right? Nike's everywhere. And so calling attention to that, and obviously it's personal for him. I'm assuming he's Muslim, which, of course, the Uyghurs are too, because um, he's not maybe ethnically the same as they are, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's further evidence of something we've talked about often on the show that people expect brands to take a stand on things, Mm -hmm. especially when what they're being asked to take a stand on is the impact of their value chain. And and so I think the criticism is totally fair. I don't know if I agree with anything else this guy may agree with, but in terms of just on on the basis of him calling out these brands to have a perspective and point of view and calling them to account, 
yeah, I mean, I got nothing. I got nothing to to criticize about that. Yeah, I, I I'm in the same boat with you, which is, you know, there to the degree that this is happening as just exactly as he says, I I don't know, but I will be shocked to know that there isn't at least some level of like that's what I think. I think you know probably at least some pretty crappy labor practices that I'm sure get ignored for the sake of just being able to keep production costs and low. speed low. Mm-hmm. This stuff does happen. And there is, at least from what we can tell, no really attention being made to that while being very vocal on U.S. issues, right? But the reality is a product that is very much contingent on all the creation, supply, production that is happening in these countries. And that in many cases for some people there that are, you know, facing a lot of, you know, uh, discrimination and, you know, the Tibetan people, which he talked about, you know, that was like kind of his first point. Like, yeah, for sure. This, that's, that's an ongoing issue, you know, that you rarely hear these companies speak to. So I'm in the same boat with you. Like I have very little um, because at the end of the day, he's inviting people to join the conversation to, as you say, find out. Come with me. Yeah, yeah, I'll, right. I don't know if he could, he, could, he could literally go into the country at this point, but probably not. Probably not, right? But like, go look at it. Like, go check for yourself. And I think that to your point, is really telling when they said that we check with our suppliers and we're all good. Man, that's not good enough. No, maybe this case is not good enough. What is interesting to me is to see whether or not this becomes more where consumers, not just as NBA players, start to actually speak up more, and other players that are that don't have any ties to the region. Or, or like, not that he has time, but you like they'll have more of the relationship where they'll, they'll start saying something as well. If, you, if you're the guy or gal who's running a CSR or even maybe marketing at Nike, do you lean into this? In other words, you go, you know what? We're going to actually take you up on your offer. We're going to shoot a documentary and whatever we find, we find and we address. Do you lean into it or do you keep, do you kind of I think do the, more of this kind of like messaging from PR? It's, it's hard to lean into it, Charlie, because we know that the, the Chinese government, as drastic I may sound, to pull the broadcast of the Celtics game. Like, they've been known to be super aggressive. And I, I think that if you lean to it at all, then you're, you're in a situation where now you're putting your supply chain at significant risk. And they have to be ready to actually make that move if that's what they want to. I mean, so to me, like, if you're going to do that, just know that yeah, you're you start, might get you, cut off. You're going to start thinking about immediately, okay, am I going to Taiwan? Am I going to Vietnam? Am I going wherever else I'm going to, like, Start already thinking about your plan B, C, and D. And they do have supply chains there. They, they do, right? Yeah. But, but there is such a reliance in that whole of region, course. right? So the that's whole, what I'm saying. Our whole country has a lot of reliance. A lot, in that of, region. Right. and yeah. maybe part of, frankly, going back to that is like if, if there was a, one of the lessons learned from 2020 is like, hey, we need to reduce our reliance from Asia in general for some of these things because when when these global issues happen. We get hammered, like, we're still dealing with that problem right now. We think about talk about the ports and all the issues that are there with things literally sitting there that can't get unloaded because By the way, such a backup of things, right? Like, I went down to uh, San Pedro with my brother. We rode adventure bikes, and we one of our stops was down there. Mm-hmm. And we counted, I think, 53 ships out, at, just literally that's about crazy. a mile I've, out. I've seen like, pictures of it, like but I haven't, I haven't been out there yet. waiting to get in. <laughs> yeah, and that's all, you know, that's all supply chain issues, right? So, I don't know. I, I, I think the... I agree with them. I think it is worthwhile to look at this. I think when we think about social injustice, you can't have uh, blinders on and say it only matters here because we're in the U.S., especially when you're in an organization that has global reach in both who your customers are and then where your products get made. So nice. My orientation would be is you got to look into it aggressively. And just saying, just sending an email and getting a response back, it's probably not good enough. Cool. So we toast our agreement on that one. We have another global brand. Wrapping up, <laughs> wrapping up our or courage or cringe. 
Coke goes Gen Z with Real Magic Ad campaign by leaning into gaming culture. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, a few weeks ago, so this is actually funny that this came out, and neither you, neither you and I saw this initially, but it started, oh, it started I, bubbling up, right? Yeah, it sure did. But I, I'm sure that they took some steps to mitigate the damage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so a few weeks ago, Coca-Cola unveiled its brand new global platform called Real Magic, which premiered with an ad called One Coke Away From Each Other. Mm. I already love that name, which was meant to attract Gen Z and gamers. Well, that new ad has definitely attracted attention, but maybe not the way that Coke intended, right? So to give some background on the spot, it features top esports uh, stars, was done in partnership with Twitch, right, which is a streaming platform for gaming specifically. Well, they do more than gaming, but that's kind of what they're known for. and had like a big prize giveaway. Um, however, the creative itself has gone some pretty mixed reviews, to say the least, right? So just to describe what, what the ad's about, for those of you who haven't seen it, the ad shows an eSport contestant. So they're like in this big kind of eSporting event where they're competing, right? There's a crowd, massive crowd. Think of it like going to watch a football game, except that people are watching, you know, kids play or people play, not just kids, people play a, a video game. But it shows this one player, um, an eSports contestant, participating in this fictional video game competition, right? Now, once the player stops for whatever reason, he stops the game itself, like playing. He like leans into this fridge, takes his coke out, takes a, a swig of that of, of the coke, and magic ensues. And then what's interesting is like they kind of make it like a hint that the avatar in the game somehow knows or hears like the bubbles from the coke, and that has this like you know a significant effect on the on the actual avatar right and the game that they're playing is like a kind of world of warcraft yeah kind exactly of thing, they're yeah. kind of like fighting things right mm-hmm. and uh and as a result the avatar is overcome by the desire to not fight anymore so it literally drops its weapon and then like it picks up one of its you know uh um enemies i guess you would say that mm-hmm. and he gets the, and that and then all of a sudden that entire gaming world just stops fighting with each other and you know world harmony occurs in this gaming environment right and there's this, like this great moment where the avatar is looking back at the kid and kind of winking at each other, and they have the coke there, right? <laughs> you were, you oh were, man, I could not stop laughing with this thing. It you was weren't moved, hilarious. I can, I can now, some of the pushback, right, from the gaming community is that the ad seems to miss the entire point of, about gaming, right? Um, so it, at least the pushback is that they think that it frames gameplay as being in this in conflict. And imply that games are living basically, and that gamers are living disconnected lives, right? Which to many gamers, they see these, especially these um, gaming environments, as mm-hmm. really much more of a community, right? Um, that they actually interact with each other, et cetera. Uh, there are also many other complaints about Coke, just not understanding esports, including you know having a mini fridge in the middle of an esports event, gamers simply like stopping in the middle of a competition, somehow people being happy, the fact that the game just ends mid battle, right? And there was a great quote. I didn't put here who wrote this, but I think as a, as a, as a great analogy to, to how much they missed it. They're like, imagine Coke made an ad where football players took a drink of Coke at halftime. As a matter of fact, I would say during the game, not at halftime, like in the middle of a play, and didn't come out to finish the, you know, the, the rest of the Super Bowl, right? Uh, or that happened in the NBA playoff or rugby World Cup final. There are fans across the world who are saying they're just offended by this, mm. right? So it's like, you drink this, this like, ah, do we really want to finish this game? Like, no, we're actually, yeah. why don't we all hug it out, right? Uh, there has been, by the way, some positive response, mostly from the inclusion of the the kid that was included. His name is Alan Walker, who's, I guess, a YouTuber, DJ, and gamer. Uh, the actual production of the video and the kind of creativity behind the creation of this virtual world. I mean, I could only imagine how much money they spend on this thing because it's, it looks the amazing. visuals are amazing. They amazing. are. The visuals are amazing, yeah. right? 
So with all of this, Charlie, courage or cringe? Coke gets Gen Z or Coke sets the brand back in the gaming community? Yeah, look, in, terms of, in terms of them going, going after this and doing it in this way, I mean, it's definitely a cringe. Now, the thing for me, I had two points on this. And one of them just came to mind as you were, as you were going through the story. My initial point was, is it the execution or the ideation that's at, that's at issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because one side of me says, look, if you're going to create a campaign around unifying fractions and divisions, which are happening, mm-hmm. newsflash, what brand has permission to do that kind of messaging? It's got to be global. Mm-hmm. It has to have a heritage of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It has to have this kind of brand positioning of unification and blah, blah, blah. So I literally sat back and I'm like, well, what brands could actually pull this off? And to be honest, I couldn't think of very many right. besides something like a Coca-Cola that is an iconic mm-hmm. brand um, that is you know, it's more than a century old, et cetera, et cetera, right? So all of that. So on one side, I was, I was you know, um, thinking about that and maybe giving them credit for mm-hmm. at least the idea or the creative conceit of trying to – I'm sorry, the idea of trying to create a, a campaign around unification because I don't think a lot of people could pull it off. I think the execution was deeply flawed. So that was one point. The other thing that came up to me as you were going through the story though is among the sea of people that were involved in this, if I'm Coke, you know who I'm really pissed at? Who? Twitch. Because the beef with this spot is mostly about a disconnection. Has been centered around the disconnection C- from the gaming Centered around disconnection yeah, yeah. from the gaming community. And if you think, if the reason I bring Twitch in, which pr- presumably was, like, we want to make sure to get this gaming thing right. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, that's the one that's thing point. you screwed yeah. up. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm calling up whoever like, it is and going, what you the? You couldn't have picked a better partner from that perspective, right? Well, you would to, think. You would think, right, to help to help execute this. Or to at least be the sounding board to say, hey, that doesn't happen and, and that would never happen. I think that example of, you know, middle of a, of a sporting event, all of a sudden right. you got to drink a Coke. I'm like, yeah, do we really yeah, want to like Do you think that the other? brand manager in Atlanta knows that? I mean, they're relying on Twitch to go, is right, this real? Right, right. You know what so, I'm saying? And so like, and Twitch is getting none of this heat. But frankly, I think they should be. In, yeah, in fact, in equal measure at least. Well, I think you... you correctly pointed out because you understand what the dynamics of like the roles that people play right um in this but i think here is the brand just because the twitch thing you don't know that unless you like read into the story about Correct. how this came to Correct. be it's right? a little inside baseball but it's in- very inside i think it's very inside for most people that just watch this video on oh, youtube we're like of course what of course. is this of course so twitch has no attribution at all Correct. there's yeah. no attribution right so on the on the ad itself um and going back to what you were saying about the, because you know, when you and I spoke briefly about this, um, about whether or not to include this, you know, one of my point that I had on this is that the, where I, where I thought this felt really, really flat, because I, I agree with you, a lot of people really focus on the gaming element of this, all the authenticity of the gaming experience, experience tied to the spot, and to me that was besides the point. Yes, that's terrible, and I get it, but that was to me that was not the actual issue here. And the issue that I see is this is uh, of a you know as a brand really inserting themselves in the middle of conflict and feeling that their brand themselves are the solution, which is different than being a brand that is supporting an aspirational movement, mm. right? So I, I was actually thinking about an example, and one that you and I actually looked at before. Um, I forget what Super Bowl it was. Maybe a couple of Super Bowls ago, it was I believe it was Budweiser. Right. Um, and it was this ad that's all about having it was a, a sort of in this category of mental wellness. And it's about people asking someone to go have a beer with them. 
Like, oh, let's yeah, go get a beer. Yeah, I remember right, that. Let's go get a beer. And 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 what was it genius wasn't about, about it that? It wasn't about Budweiser. It wasn't about, well, it wasn't about the, the. It wasn't about the beer, the beer really, right? The but product. the beer was the vehicle to have a conversation. Right. That was very well done. It was extremely well done. Yes, the beer was front and center. Yes, the beer was the bridge in this conversation. But nowhere in that ad were they saying you have a problem, I have a problem, or we have a problem. Budweiser. Here's it. a Budweiser. Now we're good. No, it was the vehicle. It was the excuse to have a conversation to to get to a better place, to connect with people. Yeah, and that's a very, significant yeah, difference. For sure. Right? And that's why when I looked at this ad, my first reaction, like, did you not see the Pepsi ad? Did you not see Kylie Jenner walk up, like, all, like, starting her stuff? I'm like, oh, here, police officer, have a Pepsi. We're all good. Like, that's literally what this is. It oh, is. Oh, have a Coke. We're all good. Like, all of a sudden, this virtual world now has complete harmony. And if I'm looking at what what they're implying, it's like maybe this real world could have a harmony. If all we did was just have a Coke. Yeah. And it's the stupidest thing ever. Like that conceit is just dumb in my mind. It misses the point. It's like you did not see all the heat that Pepsi got. It's like it's like you felt left out. It's like, well, we're going to be in that boat now. Now you're like the new version of that Pepsi app. Even if they would have just done a hardcore battle with winners and losers, and then afterwards they have a Coke and kind of go like, hey, you know, even though we fought it out and really hated each other here, now we're cool, right? Like even that would have been closer. That would have been better. Yeah, yeah. My, to- my point is like you can't use the product as the solution. Solution. Yeah, I got you. It could that makes be, sense. It could be the vehicle to a conversation. That's why I think that Budweiser, maybe a better example, because the other example that I, that I shared with you, which is one of my favorite all-time Super Bowl ads, and it's this ad that happened, I don't know what it was, years ago, right? Um, eight years ago, maybe more. And it's this, um, it's an ad that starts with a very long shot, right? With a wide shot, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And you see a person running down this two-lane road. It looks like it may be raining. It looks cold. And all you hear is like the the beats of the of the guy just just running, running. right. Like you just hear like his feet, is, is, uh, you know, taking steps. And you can tell that he's kind of struggling, right? And as as he gets closer and closer, you can tell that it is this kid who's kind of young, but is really heavy. It's like he's a heavy, heavy set, set kid, yeah. heavy set kid. And you're seeing this kid run, and it and I forgot what the tagline was about something to just do it. But basically, like we're all athletes, right? And we're all kind of work in progress. And when I saw that video. To me, that was one of the most inspirational videos that I've seen in a sure, long time. Sure, And it was about Nike, and he was wearing Nike shoes, but in none of that, but it didn't need to right. include Nike in it. it yeah, didn't Nike need to, was almost like a partner to that emotion as it, opposed it was to, the, like, buy a pair of Nikes and... You, right, yeah. it was, it was you know, if you were thinking the same way, it was a vehicle to show the struggle that we all go through when we're trying to achieve greatness. Mm. I think it was about achieving greatness, what it was, right? And I'm like, to me, it's like, perfect. Like, I'm just looking at this kid that if anyone looks at him, like, you know, typically you would think he would not be the first example you would think of an aspirational towards achieving greatness. But in that moment of that kid running on them, burning by himself, hurting, cold, but still doing it, super inspirational. Nice. Like, that's a perfect example of a brand knowing how to insert himself in a conversation. Unlike what we just saw with Coke and or Pepsi. Coke is just like, Coke would have had him running with the bottle in his hand. Exactly. It's like, no, he'd have been sitting on the couch just like <laughs> right. doing nothing. Dreaming like, of give, running. Here, here's a Coke. Oh, great. I'm going to run. Nice. Right? Like yeah. that would have been the solve. It's just, yeah. Yikes. Yikes. All right. Well, um, I, you know, I, I don't. Uh, Wait, have... so are you cringe or cringe on it? Cause we, we no, had... I'm cringe. Oh, you're yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I'm cringe. Uh, but I just had that. Those but you, but you had the cringe on, also on, uh, on, on Twitch as well. Oh, I just think that the like that's a, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Be, that's, a, be, that's a good point. If you're gonna fire a rocket up anybody's ass, I'd be them. I mean, internally, I'll, as as it may be, it still yeah. would have been something to do. 
All right, my friend. Well, that's uh, episode 61. Uh, again, shout out to our friends at Revolver. Um, check out uh, this show. Again, if you're a first-time listener, we welcome you aboard. Many much, uh, many more uh, interesting subjects that we will cover in future episodes. So uh, please hit us up, subscribe, uh, come back to us next week, and we'll see you again next time on another episode of TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, co-workers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.